Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazor. And today, we're going to be doing the second edition of the Ask the Alley Cats segment in both celebration of us getting 300 and now 380 followers on Twitter, as well as it being our 50th episode, something that uh, just kind of happened to coincide with Yeah, that, that was just kind of lucky. Not sure how it ended up like that, but cool. <laughs> Worked out for me. Then we will be doing the weekly recap. But first, let's just get into the Ask the Alley Cat segment. And we had a lot of questions this week, and we're just going to go ahead and get answering them. That's how Q&As work, Austin. <laughs> but the first question comes from good friend of Lucas if you could have any non-K-State-related guest on the show to talk K-State, who would it be and why? Uh, for me, it's Gary Patterson because, A, I just want to like talk to him about being the head football coach for another program, and I just want to get that perspective. And I also really want to hear about the uh, coaching the coaching search at K-State back in 2000, late 2008, early 2009 when Bill Snyder ultimately was hired back. But there's the infamous message from uh, one K-State sports journalist. It's Patterson. <laughs> and it was decidedly not Patterson. Decidedly not. <laughs> and it's considering he's been coaching somewhere else for the last 12 years. So I would just love to hear Patterson's side of that. And I'll just get some perspective. And also he's a Pitt State guy. So Yeah. I personally get Lincoln Riley because it would just be the most hostile interview ever. And I would just constantly ask him, like, how does it feel to get beat by a first-year head coach two years in a row? And then, how does it feel that Daddy Stoops built up your program and you've just kind of been coasting off the back of it for several years? It'd be very, very hostile, but at the very same time, I think it'd be very funny. I mean, for us, he'd probably, like, cry or something. I don't know. I mean, he probably would because he sucks with media anyways. So, (laughs) I I think that he would. Uh, He wouldn't do very well. No, he would not do very well. So, yeah, we both went with coaches on that one. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there were, uh, I mean, literally any option that, like, isn't K-State related you can go with. But, like, I don't know. Coaches, I guess it just seems more natural, Yeah, I, I guess. But I could have picked yeah. anybody. Especially coaches that have to deal directly with K-State. Mm-hmm. But, Which you could say is that technically makes them K State related, but come on now. Yeah, it's like yeah. When I'm thinking K State related, I'm thinking like currently. We're not like playing like six. The we're, we're not playing like six layers of Kevin Bacon here with K State. No, that's not. Yeah, that, is, yeah, that's that is not how this is gonna go. That that would take forever. So yeah, if we find one person, it's like the no way linked to K State. Yeah, like I don't know, Joe Biden. I don't know. <laughs> He's probably linked to K State somehow by like by six clicks. I don't know. Um, thank you, Lucas. Next questions are from Grant KSU, friend of the show. Pretty much everyone here is a friend of the show. Yeah, I I think everyone here is a friend of the show. Yeah. So, at Grant KSU, he has a slew of questions here. But the first one is, what surprised you most about having your own show? Uh, for me, we kind of talked about this before. It's that people listen. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's literally that people listen. Yeah, because when I mean we started with like literally zero audience. It was literally us just playing the episode ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> to get like a penny of ad press. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's literally what it was there for a while. So it's the fact that we built up an audience of any substance at all. Yeah, and it's like a. Honestly, if you asked either of us at the beginning of this that we would be getting anywhere near the audience numbers and consistent listenership that we have, we would have laughed at you. I would absolutely, especially like the peaks that we've had, I I would have laughed. And like even in the grand scheme of things, it's like not anything crazy, but for our expectations, like it's absolutely nuts. Which we had negative expectations. Yeah. The the whole purpose of the podcast was because we just wanted somewhere to put our thoughts that we were telling each other about anyways. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, we would be doing this anyway. (laughs) Yeah, like, like, it's not like we're getting wealthy off of the (laughs) Aki So Speaking of, we're still looking for sponsors. Yeah, yeah, sponsors, please. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, outside of people actually listening... I'm, I'm assuming the answer 
that Grant wanted was probably like to do with production. What are you doing? I have a stain on my hoodie. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I've been messing with it for a little while now. Okay. Like, I'm gonna, I'm about to give up though. So. I'm sorry. Yeah, don't worry about it. But I'm I'm assuming he meant, uh, like production wise, and honestly, it just time. Like, neither of us expected... And I know this is really funny, coming from the two guys whose first episode was two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's it really is just finding time to, like, record the episodes. Like, setting up recording days, making sure everything's working all right. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, like, we're both very busy people. Like, the days that uh, we record, like, I have, like, 12-hour days, like, on those days, generally. So, like, it... it it, it's a it's a grind as more so than i thought it would be especially when we're doing three episodes a week mm-hmm. like and then that involves uh research uh film study uh, creating outlines just thinking about what we're gonna say like and then also like the administrative stuff as well which like i i don't mind at all because it's not work per se no it's fun yeah it's like, fun i really like it like it's just surprising how much time it, it, it takes i i didn't expect it to take this much time yeah Next question from Grant. If you could add a football player to the roster from another Big 12 school, who would you add? I would go Marvin Mims of OU. I, we need that instant impact receiver. I would go Xavier Worthy from Texas, firstly to free him from Texas, but also for eligibility reasons because he's younger than Marvin Mims, and I'd say it's about a lateral move like talent-wise. So, talent-wise. Yeah, it probably is about a both are receivers, by the way. It's pretty close. The only the only other major benefit we get with Marvin Mims as opposed to Xavier Worthy is that we take away a weapon from OU, offensively. True. But like we're doing the same thing from Texas, but yeah. Texas sucks. D- yeah, Texas, it doesn't matter. Like we take away a weapon, but that's like taking candy from a baby. So, <laughs> but uh, other than Xavier Worthy, I played around with the idea of like getting Mike Rose, the linebacker out of Iowa State, but it, it honestly came down to to eligibility. And, yeah, Xavier Worthy was the answer there. <clears throat> uh, what do you think Chris Kleiman's ceiling is? 10-2 uh, and two with an appearance in Arlington and a couple of, like, maybe one or two Big 12 championships if he stays here for, like, 15 years. Yeah, I'm thinking, for me, a Big 12 championship and with playoff expansion, like, if they expand to uh, 12 which I believe that that's what they've been talking that's about. The number, yeah. If they expand to twelve, I honestly think that he could make uh, a couple. Uh, yeah. Especially if he makes Big Twelve championships. Like I'm not expecting K State to become like a playoff juggernaut or anything like that. But I mean, we're seven and three right now. We have a shot at finishing nine and three. Like that would be not quite good enough to get in, but that would be flirting with it. Yeah. Like like we'd be on the edge of the bubble. Especially because the new playoff system still has auto bids for top-ranked conference champions. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think Kleiman, I truly think, I don't think Kleiman will ever have an undefeated year here at K-State. But I do think that he has a ceiling of Big 12 championships. <clears throat> Favorite ever Cats football player on both sides of the ball? I'll let you go first so I can expose myself with my answers after. Okay, for me, it's Tyler Lockett on the offensive side because he was just so utterly dominant. It was absolutely hilarious. Like, the only player comparable to him in terms of dominance, I think, would be Jordy Nelson, maybe. And that was only for one year. Tyler had, like, two years of dominance. And maybe Daniel Thomas. Uh, Klein was close, but just that was, like, a team effort like to get Klein to be as dominant as he was. Yeah, Lockett was just absolutely incredible. Like, he made All-American corners look silly. Uh, the guy from TCU, forgetting his name, I think he's still in the NFL, but like absolutely torched him on a, uh, um, out and up. Uh, so it's Lockett on offense. Defense for me, it's Arthur Brown. I struggled with defense a lot more than I did with offense. Yes, you did. But I, I just ended up going with Arthur Brown just because I think he's the best K-State defender in quite some time. I thought about guys like uh, Ty Zimmerman, uh, Ian Campbell, uh, other other players like like that, but I ended up just settling with Arthur Brown because he's just a complete difference maker for those 2011-2012 squads. Yeah. So here's the part where I expose myself. I didn't start liking football until I was 13, and I didn't start liking K-State until I was 17. 
the year before I decided like where I was going to college. So I, I knew of K-State all my life, but I grew up the majority of my life an MU fan because my mother went to MU. So I'm very relatively young in my like fandom of K-State. That's why I have the answers that are so new. Because Alex Barnes is on offense because I've actually held a conversation with Alex Barnes. Granted, it was one conversation and it was about Dragon Ball Z. I'm not joking. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, that's literally, that's it. Like, I want to tell you, I want to say that there's some grand story to it. No, like Alex Barnes and I, like he went to the, to the middle school, like after a practice. And like, I said hi to him and then... He's like, he mentioned something about Dragon Ball Z, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's okay. <Yeah. laughs> I saw him at the movie theater once. That was basically it. Yeah, that was it. Um, but on defense, it almost has to be Stubblefield, just because he's literally the most emo person that I've ever met. And, like, I know in the past there are almost certainly people who match it, if not exceed it. I know one, but don't talk about him. Um, but yeah, it, it has to be Alex Barnes and then Stubby. Stubby's a great pick. I mean, he's become he's achieved legend status in a single year. He is more Ema in being a member of K State for less than a single calendar year than a lot of students that actually go here are. <laughs> yeah, like which is very sad. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's sad, but also like kind of funny yeah it is really funny Stubblefield on his way to become a GA at K-State I would allow it I would allow I mean if the NFL doesn't work out we would almost certainly Stubby would be and I feel like Stubby would be an absolutely excellent uh, defensive he'd be an excellent recruiter oh my gosh he'd be incredible I think he just has so much passion and drive so it's about drive it's about drive it's about power um yeah next question what's our favorite book uh these next questions are just like favorites uh, my favorite book is Catcher in the Rye. I also love Catcher in the Rye, but I'm rolling with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I know is three books, but I'm cheating a little bit. Yeah, and if I had to pick another book other than Catcher in the Rye, I'd probably say Street Lawyer by uh, John Grisham. I'm a really big John Grisham fan. <clears throat> favorite video game? Uh, mine would probably be Metal Gear Solid 3, followed closely by Fallout New Vegas. For me, it's either Halo Reach or Skyrim. Like, I'm a big RPG guy. Like, uh, obviously... And I'm a big, like, story, like, gameplay kind of guy. NCAA 14 is up there. Oh, yeah. NCAA 14 is great as well. Just by virtue of being a college football game. Like, NCAA 14 as a game is, like, flawed, for sure. Like, although it is, like, a very good game, but it's just the fact that it's the last one, and Mm -hmm. it's, like, the most updated one. So, obviously, like, that's the one that people gravitate towards. Yeah. We'll be till next year. I mean, Mm -hmm. two years from now, I guess, but... Yep, we're getting there. Almost. We're, yeah, we're, we're close. clawing our way there. <laughs> uh, what's our favorite show? I'll take you can have this one first. Uh, I'm a Star Trek The Next Generation fan. I'm a big Trekkie. Always have been. Probably always will be. Uh, House MD is my favorite. Uh, favorite meat, top sirloin. Filet mignon. Uh, favorite dessert, peanut butter, uh, chocolate cheesecake. Uh, especially, I found this one place... In, a, in Aggieville, not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> should be. <laughs> should be. I would actually approach this cheesecake place. What's it called again? Is it Riley's? It's Robbie's, I think. Robbie's. Robbie's Cheesecakes in Aggieville, not sponsored. Really, really good. Yep. Yeah, so people almost destroyed my door. <laughs> yeah, I was there. about to fight the people that destroyed your door. Um. Anyway, uh, go check them out. They're really yep. good. Uh, like, you don't like... Che- Connor doesn't like cheesecake, and he had a bite of the... Peanut butter chocolate. chocolate. Peanut butter. And that was good. Like, the, prob- probably the best cheesecake I've had personally. Because, A, I just haven't had a lot of cheesecake because I don't particularly like it that much. And, B, it was just also really good. Yeah. <laughs> but favorite dessert for me, I guess, uh, Coca-Cola cake that my mom makes. It's awesome. Sick. So thank you, Grant, for all those questions. There were some really good questions in there. All of them were actually really good. So thank you. Next up, we're going to be going to Grant's co-host in uh, Scott Wildcat. That's at Scott Wildcat. Um, what do you think has been your best episode so far? And then we'll take the second part of it later. Uh, best episode? Uh, there's multiple contenders. Yeah. Uh, I really liked open practice observations um, as well as, well, 
the original the original realignment episode it's a guilty pleasure of ours i making that episode was the most fun i've had in the behind the scenes i think of making episodes i loved making that spreadsheet and then two weeks later my worst nightmare came to fruition Because, like, you saw my face. Like, obviously, they can't see the face I was making the entire time while we were recording that episode. And if we were recording it together in person, I probably would have slapped you. You were absolutely disgusted at what I created. And I was like, oh, it's just like a nightmare scenario. It doesn't matter. And then it actually happened. (laughs) Like, like not ten days later. Yeah, so Connor's pick for best is uh, open practice. And then... uh, realignment i'd probably say that our best would be the nevada preview just because we still had formation numbers and everything was still generally accurate Uh, we got more specific as time went on but i feel like the nevada preview has been like the most spot on because we've been pretty close to right on a lot of things yeah even if we don't always predict the correct winner uh, which we're seven. I'm seven and three this year because I pick the cats every game. But we, I am too. Other than OU, when I said uh, if Will starts, we lose. But like, sure. but like I don't know. I've been generally close on all my scores mm-hmm. as well. I haven't, which is why I started conscientiously <laughs> objecting. But but yeah, I don't know. I, I think our previews have gotten really accurate. The Nevada one was like scary accurate. Yeah. Um, but the in terms of favorites, I don't think anything will ever beat the the Oklahoma State recap exclusively because of one line that I said that every single time I think about it it gets funnier and funnier and I kind of want to put it on a t-shirt and it's just when I said when people were blaming Will Howard for that loss I said that those people quote lack the qualifications to utilize their free will and that their brain is like hamster wheels and I don't understand how they function end quote you told me you were gonna say it i didn't believe you (laughs) i was naive (laughs) you didn't believe i told him i was gonna say it before the episode and you just like haha yeah funny you know you won't then you did it i did and (laughs) the madman like apparently people thought that was really funny (laughs) because that's like one of her most listened to episodes right yes no we had some really random ones just like blow up Iowa State recap. Iowa State recap. <laughs> Molding Iowa State fans. Um, but there's a second part to this question. What has been your worst? There is... It's a unanimous decision. Yeah, it's unanimous decision. It's the first The first one. episode. God, it sucks. In fact, episodes one through like five, I think, are basically unlistenable. Like five is okay. Six yeah. is, I feel like we started our first groove and then like 13 is where we started like actually being a decent podcast. But those first five episodes, man, they are brutal. Oh my god, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, the only god were any of these good? The episode four, at least we had uh, some stuff about uh, Stubby. Like, True. Like that was the the one saving grace. I can't believe people listen to these early ones. Like, I yikes. can't. I I didn't listen to. Them. I mean, for first for first podcast episodes, they're like all right. But, like, but, compared to the product we're putting out now, it's borderline embarrassing. It, it, no, it's not borderline. It is embarrassing. But, yep, we grew, as all individuals do. Yeah. So, uh, next question from Scott Wildcat. Has having your own show changed your fandom at all? Not my fandom, rather my view of the fans, because uh, fans of this show tend to not be... That sounds really elitist now that I said that out loud. That sounded a lot better in my head. But, like, it's true. People who listen to this show tend to be, like, not those people that are, like, horribly... They're not Foundation users. I'm just going to say it. They're not Foundation users. Yeah. Like, just being on the show and just... Like, it's made me more cynical, but it's also made me a lot happier because uh, I've met a lot of really great people in the the K-State fandom. Like, we met uh, Hayes, met Evan. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we've met some some pretty cool people. Met up with Grant. Yep. Uh, we still need to meet up with Scott at some point. We do. Allegedly sometime, perhaps. Allegedly, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we 
changing the fandom at all and our attitudes towards the team, I'd say not. But in relation to other fans, it's changed it mildly for me in that I'm both somehow more optimistic because of the people I've met, but more pessimistic and cynical because of the people I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, it makes me, like, more upset with the people that leave and, like, just don't come back at halftime. Like, yeah. I already didn't like it, but it's just really infuriating because for so long, the student section has been blamed for the attendance issues. And then this year, the students, like, come out in, like, force for most of the games. And it's actually, like, the season ticket holders on the west side that are the problem for the most part. The olds. <laughs> the olds. <laughs> but... Yeah, like, the yeah, student section and a majority of the east side, not really the issue, like, with tickets this year. It's more like the west side and, like, the north side, I guess. Like, and that's not everybody. It's the ones that, like, leave and just don't come back or don't get back to, like, the fourth quarter. It's like, come on, do better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's uh, it's changed maybe the way that I watch games a little bit. I look for different things than I used to. Like, before I just kind of used to watch the games as a fan, and, like, if good thing happened, happy. If bad thing happened, sad. Like, that was pretty <laughs> much how it went. But now I look for, like, unique personnel packages. Uh, like, we had a... Uh, we ran some, like, pistol with an H-back and had, like, some weak side counters, mm-hmm. it looks like. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Against West Virginia. So basically you turned into me. You turned into yeah, me. I turned into Ace Light <laughs> in terms of <laughs> analytics. Like, No, don't you mention that word. I hate numbers. Ace hates numbers. I hate no, <laughs> never explain that joke. You heard it here first. <laughs> Ace hates numbers. But, yeah. And I also, I what I really do the most is I look at personnel. Like, yeah. I, I like looking to see, like, when random players come in. Like, against TCU, I was like, who's that? Oh, it's RJ Garcia. What? Good job, RJ. <laughs> Good job, RJ. <laughs> But that's mainly how it's changed for me. As a fan, I'd say I'm just as simultaneously optimistic and cynical as I always have been, which is a dangerous combination. <laughs> yeah. Sounds contradictory, but most K-State fans understand it. Yep. Next question, also from Scott Wildcat. If you have only five spots in the football transfer portal to fill, what positions are you going after? Um, I'm assuming he means, like, specific players as opposed to general position groups. Because that would be picking five position groups, and that's kind of nuts. That's a lot. Yeah, and, and then he also gives, uh, how about seven? So I'll answer five. Uh, we'll both give our answers for five, and then we'll give additional two for seven. Um, I'd get two safeties, a nose tackle, and then two linebackers. Uh, for me, I would also get two safeties. I'd also get a nose tackle. And then I would get a linebacker. And then I think I would get uh, an instant impact wide receiver. Okay. If possible. So I, to go into why those specific picks is because we're losing Russ Yeast and uh, Jerron McPherson. So I just want to find replacements for those because I don't want it to be exclusively Ross, even though Ross has played pretty well recently. Mm-hmm. And Ross, like, he'd have to come back for a super senior year True. for that as well, which I think he might. He probably will. Unless he's, like, done playing football, which, fair, but yeah, I think he might come back. Yeah, and then TJ, sincere, but still, I'd, I'd want those, especially with how often we run, like, three safety looks. Yeah. I'd want another yeah. safety. We definitely need safety depth. Like, I know we're getting some young guys in, like, uh, Jordan Perry and VJ Payne. Uh, like, I know that they're coming in, but they're young guys, so... We'll, we'll need to backfill uh, a little bit. So, yeah. yeah, and then, like, nose tackle. Timmy Horn's leaving, so let's get another Timmy Horn. Yeah. <laughs> if, if possible. If possible. Let's get someone, like, comparable. Mm-hmm. Then linebackers. I, I'm assuming that Green leaves for the draft. Because, like, he probably will. Do I want him to? No. I think he will. I'm not sold on him leaving for the draft mainly because i've heard exactly zero rumblings of it like there's been no rumblings of anybody leaving early this year for some reason so i'm not yet worried about it but if he were to leave early then we definitely would need two linebackers but for now i'm thinking one fletcher's leaving get an instant impact linebacker transfer as in a starting quality linebacker transfer 
as a not a former walk-on linebacker transfer. <laughs> um, yeah. And then if we had seven, I'd go with a wide receiver and a right tackle. Yeah. Uh, getting an offensive lineman, that would be interesting. We haven't really done much with transfer offensive linemen, but yeah, for the additional ones, I'd already said a receiver. I would roll with uh, a tight end. Oh, never mind. Not a tackle, a tight end. Yep. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the save. Yep, it's it's grad transfer tight end time for Chris Kleiman. He's just going to grad transfer tight end every single year forever. And, <laughs> and then after that, I honestly might get another defensive tackle. Like, just to fill in that position a little bit more. Because we're very thin on uh, the developmental ranks there. Yeah. And final question from Scott Wildcat. Do you like buffalo wings? Yes. Yes. If you're referring to the sauce, less so. If you are referring to just the general food, absolutely. It is one of my favorite foods. Yes. Uh, I'm basically the same, other than it's not one of my favorites, but I do like it. Uh, I don't... I, I like buffalo sauce. Like, I, I do like buffalo sauce, but I prefer, like, honey barbecue and stuff like that because I am basic, so... I'm honey barbecue and Caribbean jerk. No. Caribbean jerk was interesting. I think I tried a little bit of one once. It was interesting. Everyone tells me that it tastes like cinnamon, but obviously I can't know that. Yeah, you you would not be able to know that. You would you would die. <laughs> so. Yeah, fun fact. I'm allergic to cinnamon. Like, deathly allergic. I did not know that was possible until I met you. and Until you told me. Because I've known you for a while. I didn't know until, like, this year. No, you knew a few years ago. You just did forgot. I? Did I really? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me that? Because we were talking about French toast. Like, I... Everyone always brings up, like, one thing. It was like, hey, we can go get this. I'm like, no, I can't. Why? I'm allergic to cinnamon. Wow, that's so crazy. Like, yeah, it's my life. <laughs> yep. Like, I, I knew a kid that was, like, allergic to, like, apples when I was little. I knew a kid allergic to wheat. There's actually a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, next question is from... Evan D. Shenanowak. Um, any early predictions for next year's breakout players on offense and defense? Uh, for offense, I'll probably go Will Howard, but that's probably too that's probably like too easy. Um, but we also know that I have a track record of saying Jacardi, right? So um, I don't know. I'll go RJ, RJ Garcia. On offense. Yeah. Uh, offense for me, I'm going to roll with uh, Mr. Uh, DJ Giddens, uh, the backfield. Maybe see what he can do. Yeah. Then on defense, this one's actually really difficult. But if I had to pick, I'd probably actually say we didn't talk about this one as much in the pre, pre-episode. But I just realized Nate Matlick. Like, Nate Matlick and T. Denson are my two picks. Like, Because Nate Matlick is getting a lot of snaps. and But, like, I feel like he... Is he just he's so close to being like that guy this year that next year as the number two pass rusher behind Felix, like he will really break out into his own. And then T Denson has been a solid corner this year. I feel like he's always he's just like Matt, like he's one step away from being that depth piece to being a true star. Yeah, Matt, look, honestly, he has a shot to break out at the end of this year. I, You could even contend he already has broken out, depending on your definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me on the defensive side, though, I'm going to roll with Marvin Martin because safeties, we are losing at least two and possibly three, uh, depending on uh, what uh, Mr. Ross Elder decides to do. What the Ross boss wants. Yeah, what will he do? Uh, so <laughs> I will... I love a role with Marvin Martin because uh, he's been getting a lot of special teams playing time, so that's been pretty encouraging. Yeah. Uh, honorable mentions: uh, Ozzie Hoffler, defensive end; Crew Jackson, uh, weak side linebacker. Also from Evan, favorite. What is your favorite game day song slash tradition? Mine's Wabash Cannonball. It's Wildcat March. No, it's Wabash Cannonball. Uh, other than Wabash, uh, Joker and the Thief for me. Uh, kickoff, kickoff keys. <laughs> it is awesome. Like, okay. Also, also, I've been having this conversation with Connor. There's a song that has basically that exact same guitar riff, but faster. It's called Aggro by The Enemy. And every time that I start thinking about like Joker and the Thief, it just turns into aggro. 
That must be very frustrating. It is. It's very frustrating, like, try and think of, like, a song and, like, play it in your head. And, like, you literally just cannot, like, for whatever reason. Yeah. Next question comes from SL Keck. What is each Big 12's head football coach's favorite libation, which basically means drink? So save you the Google search that we had to do. I mean, we knew the definition of that word. I mean, uh, so we'll start. Um, should we do, like, alphabetical by school? We can either do that, or I have the schedule on my phone, so we can just do it in order of opponent. Okay, that Be- works. Mainly because I feel like we'll forget schools if we try to do it in our head. Okay. We can start with climbing. Uh, probably, I, he strikes me as like a Dr. Pepper kind of guy. I feel like he would be. I don't know why. Climbing doesn't, doesn't strike me as a uh, consumer of alcohol in heavy amounts. No. Nah. So, I may be totally off base. Yeah, maybe totally off base. Maybe, maybe climbing can handle it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's just out there in the office, pounding the stone. Pounding <laughs> the stone? Just... <laughs> tequila bottles everywhere <laughs> he's in the wabash reserve oh god um, the wabash reserve yeah <laughs> it's all to him uh next we got oklahoma state mike gundy natty, natty. it's natty natty light every day. that is such an easy one <laughs> all day every day natty light yeah. Matt gundy uh, ou ipas for yeah. mr lincoln riley lincoln riley is almost certainly like ipas or like wine coolers that, that's absolutely what Lincoln Riley drinks. There. I'm going to go wine coolers, actually. I'm sticking with my IPA pick. It, I, it just feels right. Listen, bro, I, I'm going to be honest. I like wine coolers. I don't care if that makes me a girl. I, I love wine coolers. It's okay to drink things that taste good. Okay. okay. Anywho, <laughs> we got Iowa State. Uh, one Mr. Matt Campbell. Warm the, milk. Yeah, we said warm milk when we were talking about this before. <laughs> Literally warm milk. Yeah, we, we said it like simultaneously as well. It was really odd. Yeah, it was like really weird. It's like just milk toast, I guess. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, the uh, most together team of all time. <laughs> they all just like, like sit in a circle and drink milk. God. All right, Texas Tech. Uh, so now Joey McGuire. Um, Irish coffee. Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we were kind of thinking something the coffee area uh, before the episode just because he's so energetic. Like, so I, I think that's a fair play. Yeah. Like, like, I would roll with Irish coffee. All right. Uh, then we got uh, TCU. Uh, we can either do Gary Patterson or Jerry Kill. Let's go with Gary Patterson. Yeah. Probably like a, a fine, like, aged bourbon. Yeah, he's a bourbon guy to me as well. Like, I look at Gary and I'm like, that's a guy that's definitely, like, visited Maker's Mark in Kentucky. <laughs> like, like yeah, I can just picture him just, like, chilling. Or just, like, sipping on some rocks. Yeah. Uh, but that's what it is. Uh, now we have KU with Lance Leipold. Cane sauce. Other than cane sauce, I think <laughs> I, Leipold strikes me as a wine guy personally yeah I, I i'm not gonna say it's like the finest wine he just like gets wine of yeah. some kind yeah. he just enjoys wine you know nothing crazy it's like neil brown of west virginia bourbon also for me it's either bourbon or bush light i can't pick and those are <laughs> about those are very hardcore opposites yeah <laughs> but i simply don't know <laughs> I, yeah. I, I can't make a decision on neil brown so i it's it's neither or for me I got Dave Aranda of Baylor. That's actually really difficult. I I question if he consumes anything. He might just photosynthesize. Yeah, he might photosynthesize, honestly. He kind of seems like an alien. If forced to drink out of respect uh, for social customs, I think Dave Aranda would have room temperature water. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say White Claw for some reason. Honestly... Dave Aranda, like, 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 the law. like a, like a drink drink. I don't know. Like maybe like Mike's hard. Like, like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe a Mike's hard. Smirnoff ice. Some, one of those, like not really drinks, but just sugar drinks basically. So wine cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then last Sark. We all know. We all know. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> then, uh, Cody and Erie, uh, best guests on your show, Son Lucas. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> There's a funny story about that. 
We haven't had any other guests other than Lucas. We have some planned. Some may not know we have it planned for them yet. Yes, but we well, have planned it. One probably knows because it's really obvious. Yeah. The other has probably forgotten about us. One definitely knows. Yeah. Because I talk to him about it occasionally. Yeah, so soon. Ish. Maybe. Perhaps. Who knows? Anywho. Um, Next few questions, and the final set of questions are from Alex Pogue. Uh, First question, are traditional or boneless wings better, and why is the correct answer traditional? Listen, I don't hate traditional wings. I prefer boneless. I don't call them chicken nuggets. They're not chicken nuggets. It's a different type of meat. Uh, I just don't enjoy working to eat my food because I am extremely lazy and when it time when time comes for me to eat, I would rather spend it eating rather than plus I like I don't like my hands like being dirty like that. That's my biggest issue with traditional wings is my hands getting dirty because then I can do absolutely nothing and I also use a lot of napkins. Cause I generally like I don't know, I don't like having my hands dirty, so I like wipe my hands a lot as I'm eating, which like is kind of moot because then I just continue eating. Yeah. <laughs> but I just do it anyways. So, like, traditional wings, like, handicap me, where it's, like, I just kind of can't use my hands to do anything, like, other than continue to eat wings. And so, so I, I, I prefer boneless, even. Eat the wings? Yeah. I, I know that, like, like in spirit, they're kind of not wings, but I don't really care. So, <laughs> so, it's whatever. Like, so, I'm sorry, Alex Pogue, but it, it ain't traditional for me. It's not traditional for either of us. Uh, next question. What is the biggest fight slash argument you've had with each other and who was right? So, uh, the second part we won't be able to answer because both of us will still not agree. <laughs> but the the answer to that is probably at the 2019 draft. Yeah. It was uh, the Jordan Love pick for the Green Bay Packers and the Clyde Edwards-Alaire pick for the Chiefs. I thought both of those were really good picks. Wait, this is the 2020 draft. 2020, yeah. I thought both of those were really good picks. And this was in the COVID year where like we we couldn't all be together because none of us knew what was happening. So we all watched this on Zoom, and there were seven people in this Zoom room. It was literally six versus one against me of everyone cyberbullying the pick and then me being like, yeah, that's actually a really good pick. Um... I was not on board. Yeah. I'm I am both a Packers and a Chiefs fan. Chiefs because they're local, Packers because Jordy Nelson and like that was the first knowledge I ever had of the NFL. So both of these picks are actually my favorite teams. Uh Jordan Love pick, like I, I saw the Packers and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like they, they traded up. I was like, Wow. Like they're actually gonna take like a first round receiver. And then they took yeah. Jordan Love. I was like, "Are you joking?" Justin right Jefferson, now? I think, was still on the board. He was. That don't talk. Don't tell me about it. Like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was just like Jordan Love was literally so uninspiring in every way. He had like a good junior year, but his senior year was like pretty not great. You know who coached him his junior year? Matt Wells. Yep. Yep. Matt Wells got fired. Future offensive analyst at Kansas State. Future quarterbacks coach at Kansas State. But I didn't love Jordan Love. I didn't like Clyde either as a pick. Granted, at the time, I wanted the Chiefs to go corner, and none of the corners from that part in the draft worked out at all. So, Well, we got a really good one like the fifth round because LA Tech decided that it would be a great idea to put Legereus Sneed, a corner, yeah. at safety his senior year. But, yeah, I'm just anti-taking running backs in the first round, like, period. And to me, I was like, if you're like so set on taking your running back, just like trade back into the second round and get one of like the eight that got drafted in the second round. <laughs> and including DeAndre Swift. Yeah, DeAndre Swift, Johnson Taylor, Taylor uh, Cam Akers, uh, JK. JK Dobbins as well. Uh, probably forgetting somebody. Actually, that might be it. Those are the big five running backs that year. So, yeah. Yeah, but no no one we still really don't know who was right. Clyde has lived up to my expectations uh, except for when he's been hurt, but Jordan Love just hasn't gotten a chance to do anything and it's clear yeah. the coaching staff doesn't trust him, which is mildly concerning. But Yeah, I mean for the whole first year of his career, they didn't even let him suit up for the games, which is like 
A, like very indicative of how they feel about him, and but also B, like if they need an emergency QB, wouldn't you at least want him suited up? Like, unless he's that bad, they'd rather have like, I don't know, like Rashawn Gary play quarterback, God. <laughs> like, or Mason Crosby come in and just like throw screens. Goodness me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, Jordan Love. I am less than optimistic he works out anywhere other than like a backup. Like he could be a career backup and be like a solid backup, but even I don't think he's a starter. Yeah. In my in my eyes. Yeah. So the final question for this Ask the Alley Cat segment is a really great one actually. If you could start a weekly K State sports podcast with any five people, no restrictions, who would you pick and why? Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Because I still remember my answer. I remember we had very similar answers. You went more players. I went more, like, I'm going to make what? this as chaotic as possible. I don't think I took any players in mine. Wait, did you? Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Never mind. Just, just go. Just go. Okay. I had uh, Scott Wildcat, Grant KSU, John Kurtz, uh, Mitch Fortner, and then I had a fourth, and oh, it was Colin Settle. It was Colin Settle. Yeah. So those are my five. Uh, I'm assuming this list is not including Ace and I, so I just picked five random people. Yeah. So my five, it starts off very similar in that we're both getting Scott Wildcat and Grant KSU to come on to this, this embodiment of chaos that this show will inevitably become. Then I'm getting every man a Wildcat. I'm getting Ozzy onto the show. <laughs> oh my (laughs) yeah yeah, we already know where this is going um then for the fourth spot i'll bring in mitch and then for the fifth and final spot i'm gonna bring in arthur brown just because he's literally done nothing he's not tweeted for two years and i'm not sure if anyone has seen him for two years yeah we just need to check on arthur brown make sure he's doing all right bring him on the show yeah (laughs) yeah so we both got bosco's boys on we both have Mitch. The difference is I'm bringing on Ozzy because I I just... <laughs> the, the creator of Style Boys deserves airtime. Among, among many other yeah. wonderful memes. He, he is that guy. He is that me. guy. Yeah. But I think that runs us out of questions. Yeah. That was a lot of questions compared to uh, the first Q&A. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. it so... yeah. yeah, I was really happy. Uh, that was, geez, that approached 20, I believe. Yeah. So. So anyway, thank you all so much for uh, sending in questions. Now let's get into the weekly recap, and we'll try and keep this shorter in, like, uh, we'll keep this, try and, try and keep this episode under an hour or 10. But uh, first, let's start off with men's basketball, a game that we went to uh, last night. I may have just my brain may have just died there trying to figure out what the word night was but uh it was a victory for the ksu cats against omaha the cats scored 79 and the omaha i don't even know what they're called they scored 64 yeah what is omaha's mascot the omaha o's i don't know the o's oh my goodness like that's actually a great question i have absolutely no idea like what the answer is for that so i don't know but um you have the statistics for this game. Yep. So the Cats, uh, two leading scorers uh, tied between Ish Masood and Nigel Pack. They each had 15 points. Uh, Ish Masood, I believe he had all of his points in uh, the first half. Maybe? At least I, I think he did. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. I think I remember him hitting a three in the second. Okay. Then I was wrong. But... Uh, he was 50% from the field, 50% from three, hit both of his free throw attempts, six rebounds, uh, no assists, one turnover, and two blocks. All of that for 15 points in 30 minutes. So, very nice performance. Mish Masood, he has a beautiful shot, as we have mentioned before. I absolutely love his shot. It's just a high, it's just so smooth. It's a shooter shot. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Pack, uh, he had 15 points in 10 fewer minutes. Uh, he only had 20 minutes on the floor and had 15 points. Uh, five of eight from the field, three of four from three, hit both his free throws, five assists, just one turnover and a steal. And that's, I don't know, it's a very efficient performance from Nigel. Uh, after kind of a lackluster show in the exhibition, he has had two very solid back-to-back performances uh, against the uh, previous two teams. Then we have Mark Smith. He had yet another very nice performance. 
Uh, he had 11 points, eight rebounds, uh, two assists, two turnovers. Uh, and then he was four or five from the field, of one from three, three of four from the free throw line. The, the one play that stands out to me from Mark Smith from that game, uh, I was watching it on my phone while I was at a meeting. And uh, I he like, stole the ball and went coast to coast. And it looked like he was going to try and dunk from like the free throw line, but he realized he couldn't make it. So he just finger rolled. And it, yeah. it looked awesome regardless. Yeah. <laughs> at first, I was about to jump out of my seat. And then I was like, okay, that's still really cool, though. <laughs> then uh, the big surprise of the night, I would say, was Selton getting in the starting lineup over Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was something that. I didn't think Bruce was going to do. Not this early. Yeah, I thought it would eventually happen, but I, I figured uh, with Mike electing to come back, he would start him a little longer. But he just immediately went to Selton. Selton had eight points in 23 minutes, four of six from the field, of one from three. He had three rebounds, six assists, but he did have four turnovers to go with that. And then he had a steal on top of it. Selton just looks silky smooth on the offensive end. Yeah. And more than just driving to his right, I saw him dribble with his left hand a few times, yeah, and was I was, nutty. was I nutty I couldn't watch. believe it. And he has become absolutely lethal in that he has he drives with just as much power, but he's added additional things to his game. Where he had a couple drives to the right, where he uh, had some great layups, but then he also once drove to the right, then euro stepped to the middle and had a finger roll, and then another time drove to the right and had and hit a step back. Uh, mid-range shot yeah if Selson can just add those options to his offensive driving he's going to be absolutely dangerous in the offensive game so very nice game for Selton. then we have Casey as the final starter 18 minutes eight points three or three from the field two two from the free throw line six rebounds one turnover no assist two blocks and one steal um I think maybe all of his points were on dunks other than the free throws yeah may have been actually so I know he dunked at least twice. Good for Casey. Yeah. And, and you can take the bench players. Yeah. Then we had a collection of bench players contribute, including my personal favorite, Marquise Noel, who had 21 minutes. He was 2 for 8 from the field, 2 for 5 on his uh, three-pointers, po- three and then a 5 for 6 on his, <laughs> his free throws. <laughs> Uh, we're not professionals. Um, oh, yeah, he was for three. We're, we're just go with we'll just go with points, dude. We'll just go with points. Uh, Damian Bradford was next up. He had a he had fourteen total minutes. He was four for eight from the field, scoring eight points. Then Luke Kasuki had twenty minutes, one for three from the field, one for two on his threes, so he got three points. Then Mike, uh, no one else scored. Uh, Mike McGurl may actually end up being the liability this year. Like I've, that's kind of the big talking point out of this game. Despite a fifteen point victory, I really want to see the plus minus numbers for this game. Like because Mike's plus minus was probably absolutely in the toilet. Just because, I mean, like because the plus minus is the, uh, uh, just like additional points like when you're on the floor versus it's like, war basically yeah, if you're yeah. a baseball fan it's war yeah like so if Mike was. If Mike was like minus ten, that means that like we like the Omaha scored like ten more points than us when he was on the floor. Basically, I believe is how it is. Yeah. And Mike was, I won't sugarcoat it. He wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, very similar to the first game, but he did not score at all. He only had one field goal attempt. Uh, he was actively a liability on offense. He only had three turnovers, but it felt like way more than that because yeah. he just caused a lot of other issues. Uh, he had two assists. Uh, three fouls, three rebounds, one steal. Wow, he he just in seventeen minutes he just did not do a lot. He didn't play very good defense either. Because uh, I remember when I got to the game because I got there late. Uh, K State was up by nearly it was like twenty five I think, and then Omaha went on like a ten, like or went on a like thirteen nothing run and made it like a twelve point game and like three or four minutes. Yeah. Then they took Mike off the floor and we re-extended it to another, like almost 30 point lead. Like, and it's just, I know that Mike is not this bad. Cause this like is bad, bad. Like we know that Mike isn't like, like some unbelievable all American player, but I, 
this is like walk on bad. Yeah, he's this is abnormally a rough play for Mike. So I expect that he will rebound in some way. Uh, like he just needs to start making a few shots and just take better care of the ball because I think he's still struggling to adjust to not having to be the guy on offense compared to last year. Uh, he's going back to like kind of more of his role player role where he is there to like shoot threes, make the easy pass, play solid defense. Like he doesn't have to be the guy. Like yeah. we have a lot of very good role players on this team, I would say. So, yeah. but it was tough for Mike. Logan Landers also got 10 minutes. Didn't really do anything with his 10 minutes, but uh, I'd imagine those minutes are going to fade away when Carlton Lingard uh, gets inserted back into the lineup uh, just because Carlton has a bit more experience. Uh, he's a little bigger, so he, uh, uh, he he's probably going to get those minutes over Logan Yeah, uh, as much as we love Logan. Walk-on's got a couple minutes. Nothing crazy. But yeah. Cats as a whole, uh, other than Mike, look uh, very nice, yeah. I would say. Uh, Luke uh, was all right. Uh, he did hit a three. It's nice to see him actually making shots because last year he just they just Didn't. weren't going that. They just weren't going down last year. Yeah, but he's making open threes now, so it's good to see that for Luke. Davion uh, looked a little lost at times, but other times looked really good. Uh, so he's still kind of coming back. Marquise hit a couple of really deep threes. Yeah, he, he will shoot from anywhere. People yeah. weren't kidding. And then he was good from the free throw line, and that's kind of the story of this game is. Casey was awesome from the free throw line compared to last game. They were 87.5%, 14 to 16 from the free throw line. Uh, from three, the Cats were 47.4%, including 54% in the second half. And then across the whole game, they were 52.8% from the field. So Cats had a great uh, shooting night. Uh, really, nobody on the team had an individually bad night shooting. Even Mike, he only took one shot and he missed it. Like, that's... Yeah, that's not bad. That, that's that's not an active detriment because he wasn't taking a high volume of shots. So, yeah, but yeah, cats basketball as a whole, they looked a lot Cats-ball. better. Catsketball, they looked a lot better put together uh, than the first game. They looked more ready. They came out on fire. The only issue I may have had was uh, we rotated a lot, and it's clear that we have a lineup that's just way better. Yeah, <laughs> like the Ishmael, Nigel Pack, Mark Smith, Salt Miguel, and then I'd say Davion lineup is lethal. Casey's like good. But throw Davion can sub in and be really good. Yeah, Marquise is good. But like once Davion's back to full health, the starting lineup is going to be really good, I think. It's just we need to develop the depth because the depth has a lot of question marks. Marquise, I like. He's getting his turnovers under control from the exhibition. So he's got that going for him. Mm-hmm. Kasubki has room to grow. Mike, I I know we've seen better from Mike. So I'm not worried about him long-term unless this becomes consistent. Yeah. Yeah, that wraps up men's basketball. They play again next... Monday. Monday. They play again Monday against Arkansas, and then they play either Cincinnati or Illinois. That's on Tuesday. That's Tuesday. Yeah, this is in the Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City at what I will always call the Sprint Center. It is the Sprint Center. I don't know what it's called now. It's the Sprint Center. Arkansas is a potential Elite Eight Final Four squad. They are excellent. So that's going to be a that's going to be a really good barometer of where this team is. I don't expect this team to win, but I expect them to keep it respectable. Yeah. So and then Cincinnati, Illinois is going to be interesting because Marquette just beat Illinois. And we play Marquette in uh, a few weeks here. So Oh boy. Yeah right. So it should be interesting to see uh, what happens in those first two days of the uh, Thanksgiving break. So, looking forward to that from the men. Uh, if you're in the KC area, uh, try and get out to these games. Because regardless, they're going to be big-time non-conference matchups that you don't get to see every day. Yeah. So now we'll move on to women's basketball. Let's just kind of go over scores and then starters and anyone else who like contributed a lot. So, starting off with women's basketball, the first game was against the University of Texas Martin. I'm assuming it's Texas. It's Tennessee, I think. Tennessee. I think oh, it's Tennessee. Well. Oh, well. UT Martin. UT Martin. The Cats won 44-30, to 30, and statistics are as follows. We, of course, have Ioka Lee, who played 30 minutes and a grand and had a grand total of 10, 10 points. Then followed by Laura Mackey, who had 7. Then uh, Serena Sandell, 5. Uh, Jalen Glenn, 2. And then uh, 
I can't read that. I'm sorry. No, Simone Goodrich, she had no points, no shots, had one rebound, one turnover in 15 minutes. Uh, I was at this game. It was one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen in my life. Oh, right. It was this game. Yeah, 44 to 30. It was literally, I was texting you as a joke. Uh, first to 40 is going to win this. And that <laughs> was actually true. Actually <laughs> and happened, so. wow, it was awful. Uh, UT Martin shot 24% from the field, 16% from three. K-State shot 32% from the field, 11% from three. Three of 26 from the three-point line. Aoka Lee only got eight shots because we just kind of forgot that she existed, and we just were refusing to throw it into her. Wow, this game was awful. UT Martin's assist-to-turnover ratio was five, five assists to 14 turnovers. This game sucked really bad. And yeah. I... I don't want to talk about it anymore because it made me sad. Let's talk about a better game. <laughs> K-State Western Kentucky. Yeah. Which had your Kansas State Wildcats winning 76-44. to Of course, Ioka Lee will forever be, or you'll perennially be, our leading scorer. She scored 31. Followed 33, excuse me. I still need to get a new gl- prescription for my glasses. And then Jalen Glenn, number she had eight. Laura Mackey had seven. Uh, Simone Goodrich had five. And then Serena Sandell had two. Yep. Uh, I don't actually don't remember if I went to this game. I don't think I did. Uh, but No, we showed up for like a minute. No, we showed up. We showed up for like the second half. Oh, you're right. I think we left a little early. Because we went to Chili's afterwards. You're right. Yeah, we did leave early. And I just, I just got drinks. So. Yep. But, yeah, Ayoka Lee was just hilariously dominant. She had 33 points, 13 rebounds, and four steals, which is kind of weird. And (laughs) uh, also, Serena Sundell, as a true freshman, has been an excellent ball handler. Uh, She had six assists, just one turnover in this game. Uh, She only had two points, but that's not her role, so it doesn't really matter. Taylor Lauterbach came in as uh, the backup center, scored 10 points on her own as well. Uh this is a team that if they all they need is Aoka Lee to get going, and after that they just need a few random people to fill in and yeah. eight people to play the role. But Cats still struggled from three, only eighteen percent from there. But they shot forty four percent from the field, made seventy percent of their free throws. Uh, didn't hurt that Western Kentucky had twenty two turnovers in this game to just five assists. Uh, yeah, that that's tough. But that is tough. But yeah, Aoka Lee continued her reign of terror over uh, uh, all of women's basketball. Yeah. And finally, the last women's game that we'll cover in this episode is North Carolina A&T, in which the York State Wildcats won 73-49, and Connor has stats for this one. Yep. Uh, Ioka Lee, 31 points, uh, 13 rebounds. She had seven blocks in this. So she nearly had a triple-double with <laughs> points, rebounds, and blocks. <laughs> I don't remember the last time that happened, uh, but Aoka Lee, 13-17 from the field, 5-6 of her free throws. She's such a reliable free throw shooter, which is what makes her so deadly. Uh, and then... Hack a shocker. Yep, you can't hack a shocker. Serena Sundell, she had 15 points, uh, 7 assists, just 3 turnovers, and 2 blocks of her own, uh, so she was also really good. Jalen Glenn, she had 7 points, 3 assists, uh, just 1 turnover with... Uh, a block and two steals. Although she was a little inefficient from the field, two of seven on one of four from three. Uh, and then Simone Goodrich and Laura Mackey both started, but neither of them scored. Rebecca Dallinger added nine points off of the bench. And that was it for major contributions in this game because Aoka Lee just kind of does everything. Uh, 45% shooting, uh, still 20% from three. So they're still struggling to make the outside shot, but Aoka Lee is just absolutely dominant. So, it's not when you're facing these worst teams. It's not absolutely required that you be great at shooting from three. But when we're facing much better teams, they're going to run a zone. They're going to double team Aoka Lee. They're going to have players that actually match up with her in size. Like because we're not not every team we face is going to have maximum six foot one players going up against six foot six Aoka Lee. So the women need to kind of figure something out here uh, with their three point shooting because they're missing wide open threes most of the time. So that's just not going to be sustainable for them. But I expect that they will get something figured out. Eventually the shots will start falling. But 
one thing that does hurt is that uh, uh, apparently Rachel Ranky she may be out longer than expected. I suspect she may come back soon, but she may not be back at all this year, but that is a TBD. So, uh, but don't get your hopes up yet on her returning. Yeah. But in terms of upcoming matchups, your women's basketball team goes up against number five. Yeah, they're ranked fifth. Number five in the nation, NC State, in Raleigh, North Carolina, on Monday. Uh, what? It's Friday. Friday. Yeah, I, I I need to get new glasses. Ace but... is sitting very far away from the monitor. No, I'm not. I'm just blind. <laughs> I'm, I mean, for blindness standards, you're sitting far. I If I were sitting there, I couldn't see it. Okay. Like... Yeah, Friday. They play him Friday. Final answer on the ACC Network. Then next week we have three games against Abilene Christian, Northwestern State, and North Dakota State, which is the Teddy Bear Toss and uh, Fort Riley's Operation Santa. Yeah. So if you're going to pick one game to go to this next week, uh, go to that one because it's for a great cause. Yep. Yeah, and then we have really tough non-conference slate. Uh, Oregon's going to be visiting uh, the women's team as well uh, December 18th. So uh, pack Bramlage for that one. Uh, it'll be the day after finals week ends if you're a student so just hang around for a day go to a basketball game against a quality opponent for free mm-hmm. just do it and then they're facing south carolina on the road as part of the big 12 sec challenge south carolina is currently the number one team in the country so if the women's team is like if their goal is ncaa tournament their strength of schedule is going to be absolutely insane yeah by the time they get there so they're gonna have an excellent resume so now let's move in to the Volleycats, who had a series against Iowa State. And they ended up splitting the series. The first one had the Cyclones going and winning 3-2-1. The second was a blank by K-State, in which they blanked Iowa State, I should say. 3 to nothing. And in terms of statistics, the wonderful Connor Balthazar has you. Yep. Cats in the first uh, match against Iowa State... Uh, they lose 3-1. Iowa State takes the first set, 25-21. Cats come back and take the second set, 25-23. Then Iowa State takes the following two, 25-20 and 25-17. So, again, it was uh, just couldn't quite finish for the Wildcats. Uh, a lot of attack errors. Hitting percentage just as a team was not all that great. Uh, Aaliyah Carter, she had 11 kills, but she had six errors and it was on 34 attempts and so not particularly efficient. Uh, Sydney Bolding had six kills on 18 attempts with one error, so she was the most efficient uh, attacker for the Wildcats. Um, other than that, not a ton of noteworthy stuff other than Mackenzie Morris had 14 uh, digs, as I believe she was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week uh, for volleyball. I think so. Yeah. And, and then also going back to women's basketball, I'm pretty sure Ayoka Lee was like on the national team of the week or something but crazy that's like that. Like, thing for like, her. like she does that all the time. So, you know, it is what it is. And then uh, the following game uh, for volleyball, Cats win three sets to none. Uh, Cats hit the first set 25 23, the second one 25 13, and then the third set 25 23 again. It was a much better hitting day for K State. Leah Carter, 15 kills on 30 attempts with six errors. Uh, Sydney Bolding, uh, six kills on 11 attempts, which is one error. Uh, Haley Warner, seven kills uh, or seven kills with two errors on 17 attempts. So again, they did really well. Mackenzie Morris, the 15 digs, so actually doing better uh, defensively than she did the previous game. So very nice job hitting the ball from the Wildcats, and they've also benefited from a lot of errors and poor team hitting percentage from Iowa State. But I put the Wildcats at 15-8 overall, 6-6, six and six, and the Big 12. And then they have a few upcoming games as their season is uh, starting to uh, kind of uh, wrap up. Yeah, they have four more games, not counting any postseason play, and they're not going to be easy. Up against number two Texas in Austin, Texas, playing them uh, now and also tomorrow. Then finally, their last games are here. It's the Sunflower Showdown against the University of Kansas in Manhattan, Kansas. So as always, go out and support the Volleycats. Yeah, and that Texas match is going to be very difficult uh, because Texas, they're just constantly good. 
at volleyball, basically any non-revenue sport that they can just like kind of contribute more resources to than anyone else can afford to, they're just going to absolutely dominate. Uh, Cats nearly beat Texas last year, as I recall, at one point. So uh, hopefully that will be a replicable uh, performance. Uh, right now, the cat's holding strong. Uh, we're severely dating and timing this episode. But right, yep. but right now, it's a uh, only two-point deficit for uh, the cats in the first set, the 14-12 lead for Texas right now. So they're hanging around. Uh, we'll see how that one ends. Uh, obviously, it will be done by the time this episode is up. So hopefully, the cats can uh, pull that one out. That would be a massive win for K-State Volleyball because Texas, I believe, is only one loss on the year so but they just they don't lose much and as the, i don't know they're just great yeah. <laughs> like they have like half their team is like olympians i'm pretty sure so yep well yeah that wraps up the weekly recap and that also wraps up this edition of the aggieville alley cats if you want to contact the show please please be sure to follow us on twitter at aggieville a cats that's capital a capital a and capital c in cats if you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Bautzor, capital C and capital B. If you want to support the show financially, you can, we're always looking for sponsors, but if you want something in return, please be sure to visit the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as Neon Alley Cats and Play Sandstorm Cowards. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.